This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Please be sure to subscribe and share with friends and family. To help support this ministry, please visit allentempleamec.com slash donate. Thank you for listening. The scripture that was read earlier in your hearing came from the book of Isaiah, the 57th chapter, and the reading was from the 14th through the 19th verses. And indulge me one more time as we go through these few passages of scripture. It reads as thus. And it will be said, build up, build up, prepare the way. Remove every obstacle from the way of my people. For this is what the high and exalted one who lives forever, whose name is holy, says. I dwell in a high and holy place and also with the contrite and lowly of spirit in order to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. For I will not contend forever, nor will I always be angry. For the spirit would grow faint before me and the breath of those whom I have made. Because of the wrongful act of his unjust gain, I was angry and struck him. I hid my face and was angry. And he went on turning away in the way of his heart. I've seen his ways, but I will heal him. I will lead him and restore comfort to him and to his mourners, creating the praise of the lips, peace, peace to him who is far away and to him who is near, says the Lord, and I will heal him. I have a really bad tendency. I do. As part of my personality, I have a tendency to give people something that is called the silent treatment. Whenever somebody makes me upset, I give them the silent treatment. It is a tendency that comes very, very natural to me. And over the years while growing up, I became really good at using this treatment to get back at people, especially my younger brother. In fact, I remember one time using the silent treatment where I had not spoken to him for about three months, maybe even longer, despite the fact that we not only lived in the same house, but we shared the same bedroom as well. So bad it was that my brother had to complain to our mom to get me to stop doing it. But while I did eventually stop, I distinctly remember feeling so good about doing it that I really did not have to stop. Like I'm telling you, I'm being real honest, I was, I'm really good at giving people the silent treatment. <laughs> but here's the thing, it's almost as if, it's almost as if the longer it went on, the more I enjoyed it, and the stronger I felt about myself. To be quite frank, the silent treatment stopped being about punishing my younger brother and started being about me strengthening my own power. (laughs) Such was the danger and the psychological perversion of the silent treatment the way that I used it. Yet while the silent treatment can be an effective tool when we want to get the attention of certain people, it's also a deadly device that can cause people to feel 
utterly forsaken, well, abandoned, and deserted in an emotionally and spiritually harmful way. Mm. It is with this thought and with our text in mind that I want to speak a message that I've titled today quite simply, The Unforsaken. Mm. The Unforsaken. Let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we come to you now to hear your word. Nobody came into this church or are even online to hear me. So Father, what you have placed in my heart to deliver to your people, help me, O oh God, to deliver it with excellence, but with your authority. For Lord, heaven knows that I need this probably more than anyone else today. So speak to our hearts, O oh God, and help us to see us so that we can work to be better for you and for others. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. There is nothing new under the sun. There's nothing new under the sun. In this nation, we have just concluded a midterm election, which appears by most accounts to have surprised all of the experts and the pundits that were looking forward to a very different outcome. On one hand, some people predicted a red tsunami, right? And others were predicting a blue wave, right? They all these experts, they know everything. But nothing seemed to have worked out the way that they all thought it would. Either way, things appeared to have altogether been nothing more than a ripple effect. And while everyone is scratching their heads and trying to figure out what happened, even here in the church, we too are realizing that we have no idea what is going on. I am truly sick of preachers who stand in the pulpit and tell you, well, God said that you're going to get this if you do that. They know no more about what God said. Because I personally believe if God got a word for me, he'll find a way to get it to me. And he'd probably tell me before he tells the preacher. I'm just saying it like it is. Now, it doesn't mean I don't have a word for you. I have a word. But how you hear it has everything to do with how God wants you to hear it. So the bottom line and what I'm saying is, the truth is, many of us, particularly those in the pulpit, if we are honest, we have no idea what's going on. We might as well be pundits on CNN, MSNBC, or Fox News who are predicting things that none of it is working out because the only person who knows what's going on is God himself. And anyone who pretends that they know the mind and the heart of God about any situation, let me tell you right now, they're nothing more than false prophets. I'm just saying what I'm saying. Yet there is really nothing new under the sun. I say this because despite what we may think about elections or political parties or whatever, God is the only one who sets the agenda. And unless you have, like I said, the mind of God, you have no idea what's going on. Things may appear to you one way and another way to someone else, but at the end of the day, the only thing that matters is God's view. So we can go back into scripture and see that there's nothing new under the sun. Yeah. So by way of historical context, Israel had been divided into two nations. Well, their kingdom had been divided into two. Namely, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. 
Now, the Assyrian Empire, a little bit of history, the Assyrian Empire had taken control of the northern kingdom of Israel, while the Babylonians had captured and co-opted the southern kingdom. In other words, the nation of Israel had become divided with one part of the people becoming captivated by the Assyrian Republicans. That's the Make Assyria Great Again crew while the other part had become co-opted by the Babylonian Democrats, the progressively woke crew. Are you hearing me today? The, the nation had been divided. I'm talking about Israel. <laughs> but y'all are hearing something else. I know it, right? Now get this. Now some of the Israelites who were not of any value or served no purpose to any of the, to whether the Assyrian Republicans or the Babylonian Democrats, they remained behind and became known as the independents. Yeah. But many of these independents had, however, begun to practice a strange mixture of pagan religious and rituals that were basically so far from their God. They started to get involved with things that were against nature, yeah. antithetical to God. Now, when the captives who had been exiled in Assyria and Babylon came back, they were now encouraged to pick up some of these same habits and some of these same practices that they found. Now, I, I, I hope you're hearing what I'm saying. In other words, they had bought into, the entire nation now, had bought into useless conspiracy and QAnon theories, and by refusing to teach critical Jewish theory, they had begun to forget their history as well. well. The prophet Isaiah records that the Jewish leaders both religious and secular, the bishops and the senators, the pastors and the congress people had become so corrupt that they started to be more concerned with themselves and their own welfare than the welfare of the people that they served. I know you're hearing me. These religious leaders with their wrongful and unjust gains were getting major kickbacks from the sale of sacred buildings and things behind their congregations' backs, all the while lining their pockets with filthy lucre. While the corrupt politician, their votes could be bought by lobbyists making backdoor deals worth hundreds and hundreds of millions in sheep and goats <laughs> as they engaged in insider trading. Oh my gosh, I hope you're hearing me. By shifting their focus yeah. and devotion from God to themselves, yeah. they fell into gross idolatry, thereby now rousing the anger of God. This is why Isaiah was writing, this is what the state of affairs are like. Such was the state of the nation of Israel when Isaiah wrote this text. And what I've just described for you could easily be the state of affairs for the way things are even right now in these United States. The people have forgotten God in a way that they started to lean to their own understanding and what seems to be right is now wrong. And what was wrong is now right. Good is bad and bad is good. We have completely turned everything upside down that we don't even know the difference between a man and a woman. I'm not antagonistic to any group. I'm simply saying that there is a truth that somehow we have become blinded to seeing. I'm just saying. So, there's nothing new under the sun. Uh -huh. 
And so Israel got the silent treatment. After all of what I've just said about Israel and the nation, they now got the silent treatment. For those that may not be familiar so much with the silent treatment, but it looks like most of you all are, simply put, it is a refusal to verbally communicate with someone as a means of punishment, emotional manipulation, or control. The silent treatment goes by many names, such as shunning, social isolation, stonewalling, and more commonly, with our Gen Z TikTokers, ghosting. Ghosting. <laughs> you ghosted me, right? The silent treatment is a form of, of ostracism, and it involves a total disconnection from anyone deemed antagonistic towards those who know how to use it. Biblically speaking, the silent treatment has often been the reason that people give when they describe what they believe God is doing in their lives when they find themselves asking questions like, where is God? Whenever you say, where is God? You're actually saying, particularly when something bad has happened in your life, when you start saying, where is God? When this happened, where is God? When that happened? In other words, you're expressing the fact that you feel God is giving you the silent treatment. Every time you say that, you think God has closed his ears and his eyes towards you and his mouth, and he's, and he's not interested in what's going on in your life. Where is God? God, I don't like the silent treatment. But to be clear, brothers and sisters, God does not, nor will he ever use any kind of silent treatment to get our attention, and especially nothing like how I used it against my brother. You see, I use a silent treatment to inflict pain and cause hurt by severing an emotional connection through the withdrawal of my care, which is both manipulative and vindictive and can and should be likened to witchcraft. But God never withdraws his care. Now, while it may appear <laughs> that God is using the silent treatment, what he is instead doing is acquiescing, giving over to our exercise of our own free will. Here's what I mean. God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good. God cannot be associated with anything that is even remotely evil. So when God says, you shall have no other gods before me, and you choose to have another god before him, then it was not God that withdrew, it was you. Amen. Are you hearing what I'm saying? When God gives you the, the boundaries of his care, and you step outside of the boundaries of his care, and now you're complaining, where is God? Believe me, God is where God has always been. He is the great I was, he is the great I am, and he is the great I always will be. So if you feel like God is giving you the silent treatment, yeah. make no mistake about it, brothers and sisters, who was the one that withdrew? Which brings us to our text. As I shared before, the leaders, the pastors, the politicians in Israel had become so corrupt and idolatrous 
They have forgotten God and his statutes. And in their wickedness, they were moving further and further away from God. Now, as I described to you before, when I was giving my brother the silent treatment, I had become so comfortable doing it. And the longer it went on, the more easier it became to do it. I had discovered a new reality and was now adopting my lifestyle to fit that reality. To make it plain, I was becoming, hear me clearly, church, I want to make it really plain. I was becoming addicted to inflicting pain. Do you hear what I just said? I was becoming addicted to inflicting pain. What kind of witchcraft is that? Where you now become so much full of yourself that the evil that you're doing, you now, it makes you feel so good that you stop caring about the people you love and more about how much more you can feel about yourself. Such is the nature of sin and evil. Once it grabs a hold of you, it feeds the deepest and the darkest impulses of your soul and it tastes so sweet that you almost feel like you can't live without it. It literally robs you of your free will and it so corrupts your soul that you think you are controlling your victim when in fact you have become the victim and the one being controlled. This is some serious psychological stuff. So that's what's happening for all of y'all who is quiet right now, but you, got, you, you know you use it. It's why the Apostle Paul says, this is what the Apostle Paul says, for the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Now, if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth within me. Now, now, Paul goes on further to say, I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is still present within me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? Paul paints a very vivid picture of what it means to be forsaken and without deliverance. Oh, wretched man that I am, is there anyone who can deliver me from this body of sin and death? This is Israel, burdened by their wickedness, forsaken and deserted with an obstacle of their own making, blocking their way to the Almighty. Are you seeing Israel right now? Can you see the nation wrapped up in their filth and in their jealousy and in their anger and in their people worship and their celebrity-driven culture where they want to know who Kim Kardashian is sleeping with next? All of this foolishness is plaguing the minds and the hearts of God's people where we've become so distracted by things that don't even matter in our lives. Whether or not Nick Cannon has 50 children has nothing to do with whether or not I can put food on my table. We become so distracted by stuff. And I'm talking about Israel. <laughs> I think. <laughs> but now we see, with all of what I just painted for you, now we see, watch this, Walter. Now we see in verse 14, here's what it says, going back to the text. 
And it will be said, build up, build up, prepare the way, remove every obstacle from the way of my people. You see, God has seen Israel's condition and he has acknowledged the obstacle that is before them. He can see what is stopping you from getting to him. God recognizes that right now, even in the midst of your pressures, your calamity, all the things that's going on, God sees what's blocking you. And so the text goes on to say, it goes on, for this is what the high and exalted one who lives forever, whose name is holy, says. This is now what God says as he sees the obstacles in front of all of the people of Israel and dare I say us as well. He says, I dwell in a high and holy place and also with the contrite and lowly of spirit in order to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. Preacher, what are you saying? Brothers and sisters, this is the love language of God. The same God who Isaiah tells us sits upon a throne high and lifted up with a train that fills the entire temple having six having having six winged angels covering their faces covering their feet flying while causing the post of the temple to shake as they cry holy 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 lord of hosts the whole earth is full of his glory is the same god that is dwelling with the contrite and the lowly of spirits in your homes. The same God who is when you're broken and busted is the same God, the same God who created the universe and all that we see is the same God that is dwelling with those who have a contrite heart and a repentant spirit. The same God is dwelling here with me and you. And that same God is dwelling with you right now, wherever you find yourself and in whatever calamity you may be in. That's the same God. When you are sick in your hospital bed, it's the same God. That's there with you. When you have all kinds of problems with your financial situation, the same God is there with you. But somehow we, are, we have these obstacles that's blocking us from seeing that he's in the room with you when you're challenged. I love this text because it gives us the reason why that's the same God that's dwelling with us. Why, why, why preacher? He says it. Here it is. In order to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. Did you hear that? He's dwelling with you because he wants to revive your lowly spirit. He wants to revive you in a way that while your whole world is falling apart, he can still say, you can stay the course. I still believe in you. I want to revive your spirit so that you don't give up. Even though everything is falling, around, falling apart around you, don't give up. You're going to make it to the other end. Don't worry about, you know, you not being able to make ends meet right now. I got a plan for you. I just need you to believe me because I want to revive your spirit. Brothers and sisters, this is why I called it the love language of God. God is with you because he wants to revive your broken spirit. Yes, you may have made some mistakes, but he wants to revive you. Yes, you may have let down some people and yourself, but 
but he wants to revive you. You may have failed to live up to certain expectations, but he wants to revive you. You may have disappointed yourself, but he wants to revive you. For the truth is, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory, and yet he still wants to revive you. And even though, uh, even though you may feel like God is giving you the silent treatment, and even though you may even feel like you deserve it, he still wants to revive you. This is why he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So brothers and sisters, you're not forsaken. You're not abandoned. You're not deserted. You're not discounted. You're not discarded. And you are not condemned. For there is no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. You are not forsaken. And why does the same God want to revive you look at the text again as we get ready to close <laughs> verse 16 for I will not contend forever nor will I always be angry for the spirit would grow faint before me and the breath of those whom I have made I don't know if you heard it so let me translate God is letting us know that he will not contend forever nor be angry. Meaning, the silent treatment, the way you understand it, is over. That is good news. It's good news for everyone who may be feeling like God has abandoned them. The text is clear. He hasn't, nor will he. But don't miss the part where he says, For the spirit would grow faint before me and the breath of those whom I have made. In other words, God sees that we are growing weary even in our own contrition. While the many obstacles before us are great, even when we want to do the right thing, we are incapable of doing so. And the more we try to do the right thing for God is the more tired we get. I know that there are people out there who, who you, you made some mistakes. And you're trying to get back on track. But the more you try to take like two steps forward, it feels like you've taken three steps back. It's tiring. And you keep trying and you keep pushing and you keep trying. But somebody somewhere comes along and tells you something that just completely tears down your spirit. And makes you feel like, what was all this for? Right? We as a church, we're trying to do the best that we can to let people know how much we love them and we want to care for them. But when the very same people you're caring for is not reciprocating or not trying to help you care, when things get good for them, you can't find them. But the moment things start falling apart in their lives, pastor, church, what are we doing, people? I'm telling you, and because that is our reality, we too as a church, we're getting tired. We're getting exhausted. We're trying to do the very best we can to let people know that this is where you need to be. Not to fill the pews with people, but just to be able to bring whatever gifts you have in your own way to make the kingdom of God flourish. Because guess what? If I'm up today and you are not, I want you to be up so that when I go down, you can help me out. See, that's the secret. It's not rocket science. But we all think sometimes that we don't need God. But we are exhausted. We are tired. And even tired waiting on God. Who seems to be giving us or it feels like the silent treatment. 
But then he gives us hope. For the text says, because of the wrongful acts of his unjust gain, I was angry and I struck him. I hid my face and was angry. God cannot be a part of anything evil. He, the people were, were, were a hot mess and, and God was angry and he, he turned his face. And, 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 but he says, but I've seen his ways. But I will heal him. Yeah. I will lead and restore comfort to him and to his mourners. I'm going to create praise on his lips where he say peace, peace to him. For those who are far away and for those who are near and I will heal him brothers and sisters this is a message from God to the unforsaken among us to all those who may believe that God has not heard your pleas nor your cries for help as bad as things were in Israel as much as they gave themselves over to their lusts and a reprobate mind they were still the apple of the Lord's eye and his chosen ones that's what qualified them to receive his loving grace and the right to be unforsaken for while they forsook their God their God never forsook them. Likewise, us as people of color, suffering through chattel slavery, the segregated Jim Crow South, the racism of the Ku Klux Klan, the brutality of the police, and the hypocrisy of the MAGA maniacs. We are not forsaken. For the Lord has seen our ways and declares that he will heal us. He will lead us and restore comfort to us and to all the mothers who have lost sons and daughters as victims of gun violence. He's going to restore their mornings by creating a praise on their lips, saying peace, peace to those who are far away and to those of us who are near. So says the sovereign Lord. He will heal us. Now, I can say that's a word from the Lord because I'm not saying my words. These are his words. He says he will heal us and I happen to believe him. So settle in your minds once and for all that God does not nor will he ever, Sister Precious, give us the silent treatment. And the reason he won't do this is because he already did it once. Wow. Oh, let's go to Calvary. You see, on a hill far away stood an old rugged cross the emblem of suffering and shame where the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was slain for the dear lamb of god left his glory above to bear it to dark calvary in that old rugged cross stained with blood so divine a wondrous beauty i see for twas on that old cross Jesus suffered and died to pardon and sanctify me. But it was also on that old rugged cross where our Savior at about the ninth hour cried 
with a loud voice uttering these words that would forever ring throughout eternity saying Eli Eli lama sabachthani that is to say my God my God why hast thou forsaken me <laughs> Jesus who knew no sin and who became sin for us was given the silent treatment by God thereby taking on the full weight of abandonment desertion isolation and shame and he took it on so that you and I would never ever have to Jesus Jesus became the forsaken so that you and I would become the unforsaken this is the love affair that a God who is high and lifted up would extend to the contrite and the lowly of spirit among us so that watch this in him <laughs> we might become the righteousness of God and forever be known as the unforsaken for those who would just believe may the Lord richly richly bless you my beloved <laughs>